to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. I live my life between Jesus take the wheel and I wish I had for wood. And Dale Hummel. The gay tends to lie. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel alongside co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Ryan, it's been another interesting week, and current events could get a little long today if we were not careful. There's some bad, bad things happening in our world right now, but the worst thing possible is fixing to happen. There are not going to be any more hot cops of TikTok if Pompeo has his way. And I cannot have this. This is a huge concern for me. I disagree with that. My children love TikTok, and I know that we have a lot of people, youth out there listening. But when you think about everything that China owns in this country, including TikTok, why would you want to support that? China can have my information as long as I can see the hot cops, okay? And we we talked about this before, that the hot cops aren't real. They are real, Dale. No, we've discussed this. We have discussed this. There's no way. They are real. I, I disagree with that, but but you can you can prove that. But you know what? As soon as we pull TikTok off the the fifty plus apps that we're probably gonna gonna deny from having uh, Chinese influence on them here in the very near future, you'll have no more TikTok. And it is un-American and wrong. You you do realize ever since President Xi took over in 2013, he has put China on a fast track to replace. The U.S. is a world leader. You're aware of this, right? I need some hot cups of TikTok in my life. <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask. I really don't. Okay, let's let's compromise here. Every day, I, it seems like I, I get more information on, on things that China own in this country. And I, I was not aware of this, but here as of, I believe, 2017, maybe 2018, they have the controlling interest in all the Radisson hotel chains. Well, I don't like Radisson's anyway. So you you'll you will stay out of the Radisson hotels. If, if you're I can have TikTok, I will stay out of Radisson hotels. Okay, will that make you happier? It helps, but I I I am attempting, and I have before banning TikTok use from my children. Dale, you cannot do that. That is like censoring. No, it is like censoring. It is China censoring everything that we do. Okay, we're moving on because we're not going to do we crazy. do we do we want to talk about intellectual property theft? Do we want to talk about how unchecked for years that we're too worried about upsetting China to do anything about these things? Do we want to talk about all the graduate assistantships that we have here in the U.S. that are exposed to, to high-end research and we, we just continue to allow these things and allow China to, to gain far more knowledge in leaps and bounds without having to put in the, the work and effort to get that research? I, I You don't want to get me started it's, on China. It's simple. It's just TikTok. No, it, it goes... It goes way beyond the the geopolitical control that China's achieved in the past ten years is is like something we've never seen in history. As a society, including the gay, we need to recognize this path that China's on and, and do something about it. Uh huh. Okay. Next, are you going to delete TikTok from your phone yet? No, I am not deleting TikTok from my phone. <laughs> no, it's not happening. Now, when Pompeo and Trump get rid of it, then I'm gonna have to do whatever. But no, I'm not. Now, do you realize India is doing the same thing? I believe they're banning over 50 apps. And, and I believe that we, we may do that. It is a possibility. 
Pompeo the was on Laura Ingram last night talking about it. This is going to happen. You don't understand. That is, is that is that is a good move. And in, in the Communist yeah. China Party, we we have to. The world is waking up to what they're doing, and these type of activities and these type of things are going to be just gone. As far as connection to China, I hope I hope we continue down that path. Do we need China to purchase a lot of our agricultural products? I believe we do, but I don't know that anything we do will prevent them to some degree from buying it because they have no choice. Okay, I'm over China. Let's move on to something else. You and I are not going to agree on lots of things today, but so just earlier, Trump pulled out of the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. He did. And, and, and you know why he pulled out? Well, because the World Health Organization are a bunch of jack-offs and they're terrible and whatever. I get all that. I'm with you. I understand. But do, do you not understand that I need this man to be reelected as the president of the United States? And when he does things like this, all it does is give the liberal mainstream media reasons to make people not want to elect him again. I agree, but... And, and you may be right because a lot of people aren't going to research what the WHO has done and how they just praise China for being so transparent. They, they've done everything they can, whether it was intentionally or, or unintentional, but they've, they've given China a free pass in this entire COVID-19, even though they keep going back and changing the date on when China first knew about it. There's no question China tried to hide it. I'm uncertain whether the World Health Organization was a part of it or just ignorant to it. But either way, why would we fund an organization that, that, that is that incompetent? In my mind, President Trump is standing on principle. We are 120 days away from the election. Camp does not wait four months. And then he, he reelected. He can go blow up the World Health Organization for all I care. I need this man to win. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I support this decision. Oh. Ryan, if you wanted to destroy major cities in the United States, how would you do it? Uh, you get all the people that like participation trophies out there. <laughs> that would be part of it. What about what's going on right now that when the cities are allowing these riots to take place, destroying businesses, emptying out the prisons of most of the, the, the non-violent criminals, some violent, I assume, as well. Everything has been done. And then you throw the, the combination of a pandemic coming into a densely populated area and all the protests and everything else that's happening. I'm not sure why anyone would stay in the cities. And it appears as though there's a large number of them wanting to get out. Everybody moving. Yeah, they are. Georgia, uh, here recently, state of emergency, brought out the National Guard because of the... Well, that's the first smart thing. That, uh, don't even get me started on that woman that's the mayor of Atlanta. I don't even... I, no. but. Thank God the governor did get some sense and calling the National Guard Lord. Because this whole 4th of July weekend, little innocent children got murdered. That had, I mean, did you not see the number of deaths and shootings and all this in the major metropolitan cities? No wonder people want out of there. There was an eight-year-old child who got murdered in her mother's car. And you've got your wonderful mayor, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, saying the Republican Party and President Trump are making a bigger deal out of this Democrat-controlled city's murder rates. She basically came out and said it's laughable. How are you going to 
attached laughable to young children being murdered every single weekend. It was so appalling to me because the things that have happened here lately, not good. George Floyd got murdered. That's terrible. But these small kids, young, innocent children that got murdered this weekend, is somebody going to pay for their funeral? Are they going to be on the news? No. The, the mayor, at least the Chicago mayor, is, is very much making light of it that this is just political. This, this is just normal. And we accept it. And, and I, I can't accept that. History has shown that, that every time that protests against police, the police pull back, you combine that with defunding the police at any level. What do you think the end result is going to be? One billion dollars defunded in New York City. Don't you want to visit there sometime soon? Why would anybody have a desire to even remain in these larger cities? I, I, I think they're going to be people are going to evacuate at some level. I don't know what level, but it, it, there, there's going to be fewer people living in those areas by choice. Oh, I, there's no doubt. And we talked about this several episodes ago because now, because of Miss Rona, the employers have figured out that some people can be just as productive working at home as they can be in an office building. Not all, but some. And those people are going to take their office to out of the city and work from home somewhere safer. No, and, it, and there's no question. It's going to happen, and, it, and it's logical. It's just going to be the wave of, of the future going forward with, with working at home and, and where you're going to live or where you're allowed to live and you don't have that commute. It seems very logical to me. As we move on to COVID-19, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but let's take a deep breath because numbers are way up. We do have more testing. It, it makes sense that numbers are going up. However, I do have a concern, and it's right there in, in Ryan's backyard. Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio, I believe the numbers to be real in terms of the increasing hospitalizations, and that does concern me. The extra numbers of positive cases, not so much. We're, we're testing more than any other country by multiple levels, so I'm okay with that. But when we do get hot spots and flare-ups like we're seeing in Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas, it is pushing the limit a little bit on, on those hospitalizations, and that's where we need to Say, okay, we've got to flatten that curve just a little bit and see if we can make sure that there, that, that hospital space remains. I don't think we're going to exceed it, but it's, it's definitely moving that direction a little bit. Yeah, I'm over all this. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, <laughs> you're, you're, I, you're just done with it. I, I, I am. I'm literally like, I have traveled the world. I have gone out there. There is no way that I have not been exposed to this, I have not something, whatever, and I have not been sick one lick. Not at all. Not. I would agree with you that, and I've exposed myself a great deal the last couple of weeks that maybe both of us are asymptomatic. I, I, I don't know. There is some really positive news, and this actually came from a, a local practitioner. That man's in Texas, too. Yeah. He, he is. <laughs> Amen. We're, we're talking about a therapeutic that I don't have the data on it. I'm not a doctor. I'm not one that can necessarily speak on this because I don't have all the information I want. However, I can employ some common sense from a science standpoint. And this doctor in Texas has been using something very simple that a lot of you that have children with asthma and, and different breathing issues would be familiar with. And that's a simple drug called Pomacort. We can use this through an inhaler, inhaler or better yet with a nebulizer 
And what it is is an anti-inflammatory, and it allows for better lung health. It seems very, very simple. This doctor's talking about the incredible results he's getting from this. And I, I can't say that I have the data or I have the numbers, but it seems very logical. We've used Pomacort in premature babies. We've used them in 90 plus elder or 90 year old elderly people. There are no negative side effects. It's fairly inexpensive. It's in every pharmacy in the United States. So if there's something that can open those lungs up and decrease inflammation, it seems very logical that maybe we need to look into that a little bit harder. And this doctor claims that Taiwan, Japan, and Singapore have all been using this to a certain degree. And I think if used early enough, it's really able to, to do some positive. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, but I think there's a lot of hope there. And you can go on John Hopkins' COVID website. There's 25 million people in Taiwan, seven deaths. I don't know if the data is accurate, but even if it's relatively close to accurate, that's like nothing. And those people in Taiwan are jammed together. 121 million. They live on top of each other. They do. You've got a thousand or less or less than a thousand deaths in Japan with 121 million people. Singapore, 12 deaths total. So they're, they're doing something right. And, and, and I, I have a theory. When I, I travel to Taiwan and, and some of these other places, for many years, a large majority of the people wear masks on an everyday basis. Yeah, I'm out on that. Their culture is accepting of it and it's just part of it. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's a genetic tie. Maybe there's a nutritional tie. I, I don't know. But the numbers are just dramatic in, in terms of how much lower they are in terms of mortality than anywhere else in the world in some of these, these spots. So it is confusing to me. It is very, very confusing. Let me address this mask issue, okay? So, like, this isn't going to be popular, but I really don't give a, you know what. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. Get with it. Get after it. All for it. Your mask that you think will protect you, let it protect you from me then, because I don't want to wear one. Messes up my makeup. They're hot. They're uncomfortable. I, I don't like it. And so if I don't want to wear one and you have one on, you're protected. Don't come at me that I'm not responsible. No. <laughs> I have a story to go with that. And then I'm going to possibly disagree with you a little bit. My wife and I are shopping at our local Meyer. I hear a couple days ago, we both have masks on. In Illinois, in theory, you're supposed to wear them to go in the stores. Not everybody has them on and not all stores are enforcing such. But we had our mask on. There was probably 20% of the people in there that had no mask at all. An older lady comes up to the produce area and, and it's probably five or six feet away from my wife. I have my back to him. I really wasn't paying attention. And the older lady's daughter, who was probably in her 60s, maybe 70, starts screaming. And I'm not sure who she's screaming at. And then I eventually figure out it's my wife that she's, she's upset with. And she's making comments. My wife had her mask pulled a little below her nose. And she says, all you Trumpers don't care if anybody dies. You have to social distance. You have to pull your mask up. And I mean, just continued to go off. And it was, it was a little bit alarming, especially when there are people walking by with no mask whatsoever. And my thoughts are, if, if she's truly that concerned, and, and maybe she should be, her mother was elderly, no question. Maybe you don't bring her to the grocery store. Keep your ass at home. How about that? Now, did you not just bring up the World Health Organization and you weren't really excited that Trump is pulling out as of July 2021 because that will not help his electability? Do you want me to tell you something else that might help his electability? You're going to say he needs to put on a mask and I'm going to tell you to bite me. 
I am telling you right now, if he would get over that stigma of putting the mask on. And again, I don't want to wear a mask. I, I probably share your views on the mask in terms of not wanting to do it. But let me pose it to you this way. If it gets Trump reelected, are you good with him wearing a mask? Oh, absolutely. If they, I will do anything to get the man reelected. Literally. Good. I'm glad we're, we're on the same same track there. What about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask if we if we get the bulk of the population to wear a mask and we can continue to reopen and stay open and not completely lock back down? Which would you prefer? Mm-hmm. I just want him to get reelected. I don't care about anything and, else. Answer the mask question. You're not avoiding it. Uh, fine, whatever. Ugh. Wear a mask or shut down. It's easy. I, I don't want to wear one. But in all reality, if I look at the cultures in other countries, those that are accustomed to wearing masks are, are wearing why a do mask. You not, why do you not see my point that if you want to wear a mask, it's fine. That protects you. Leave me the hell alone. No, it has nothing to do with protecting you. It's stopping the spread from you to others. Whatever. Unless you go to the the, the higher end mask, which nobody has. We have none of those. Oh, Daddy anymore. James has them. Trust me, he got and, and I have, I have a couple as well. But in all, all reality, it, it is about not spreading our COVID nineteen if we have it to others by wearing the mask. It's it's maybe protecting us to some degree, but I actually think it's probably working against us because we continue to put our hands up in the mask into our face. So it's probably putting that individual at at a, at a slight risk, but it is protecting others. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. you're excited about wearing a mask. I can tell. Uh-huh, whatever you think. Okay, <laughs> whatever. And the, the the last one that I have to talk about is I briefly mentioned last week about H1N1 G4 in China, where we have had a swine flu derivative that is very similar to the, the swine flu outbreak in, in 2009 that has gone from pig to human. There, as of right now, is no human-to-human transmission, and hopefully there will not be. But I did dig a little bit deeper, and there were 338 swine workers that took antibody tests, and 35 of them came back with a form of H1N1. And they're saying that these were contracted from pigs, but I I don't think that test is going to be able to tell you that. It could be human to human from one to another, or it could all be transmissible from pigs. But the simple fact that almost 10% of the people working in and around swine in that small sample they took had antibodies for something that could become an epidemic and eventually a pandemic, in theory. We, we talk about the bubonic plague. Some people are concerned about two confirmed cases in China. I was like, um, sir, it's already here. It's big. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Be concerned. It's already here. And we've had it here for years. We'll, we'll have between one and 17 cases a year. It doesn't concern me as much as it's here because the diagnosis and the quarantine and everything is done properly. It concerns me when it's in China and they don't catch it. When we have people eating these marmots, basically overgrown rats, raw, contracting this, I am, I am puzzled. It goes back to, to the rant I went on last week about China has to change their culture to a certain degree and quit eating raw, wild rodents, other wild animals. It, it just, this is not going to stop until we can change that simple procedure. Well, I'm going to tell you this much. I don't think China's going to change. I don't think they are either. So what do we do? Uh, we just don't go over there. <laughs> what about them coming here? 
Right now, nobody can get into the U.S. Hello? We can't go anywhere. They can't come here right now. But but like, but soon, in the late July, Canada opens up, Europe opens up, and, and all of a sudden... We're not on the approved list to get over there. We but we, we will eventually be on the approved list, and we'll be on the approved Only list. Only if Trump wins re-election, because if Biden wins, <laughs> we're not. We will eventually get there. I don't know when. I did hear, just to, to make your day, I did hear somebody talking about it is not unrealistic to talk about wearing masks in this country for a couple of years. In all honesty, if we have to do it for a couple of years, it's going to be far longer than that. It, it means basically we're in a culture because of China that we have to act in a manner that they, they've been in that situation for 10 years or better over there where it's just normal procedure. And I can assure you when traveling in that part of the world, when you don't have a mask on, they 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 are offended that you are compromising their health. And I don't know because of how they've been exposed to this so many times, I can almost understand what they're they're thinking and what they're feeling. I am offended what a mask does to my makeup. Okay, how about that? <laughs> I understand that. Should we move on to our actual topic at hand? Sure, go right ahead. We're going to discuss today the different rules in place for stock shows across the country. It's interesting that there are many different rules that are in place from one show to another, and particularly from one region of the country to another. And until I had an opportunity to, to do a lot of traveling across the country to different stock shows, you're not necessarily aware of that. We have a, a lot of people in the stock show industry that their county fair and their state fair, they just assume that many shows have the same rules and the same things are implemented, especially at that county fair level. Sometimes we have people that don't get a chance to go beyond that county fair, and they assume this is the same everywhere, and it certainly is not. I, I can solve all this for the whole livestock show industry. I can fix it all. Stock shows should have one rule. The rule is they all start at noon. That is it. That is it. That, that is solves all. everything. Literally. If there aren't any other rules, nobody can be breaking them, so nobody can be cheating. It's free game. They start at noon. We cannot do that. I think it's perfect. I say this all the time. Nobody listens to me. It would be easier. It would be easier. Let's let's go to something simple. And and I'm going to address and I'm going to leave some shows' names out and and others will will openly talk about. But it was a battle here at the Illinois State Fair for many many years. We would have actual weights taken on the livestock, and it may be two, possibly in some species, three days later when you'd show. And you're still required to stay in with that narrow window in terms of your way back. And you're not allowed a practice scale. Do you want to explain the logic to me in that, Ryan? Oh, uh, you mean? We would weigh those animals or they would weigh them. I don't have a scale. You'll get to go weigh on after you turn in your weight. You don't turn in your weight. They weigh the animal for you. You put the animal on the scale. They record the actual weight on, on whatever day they choose. And the show may be two days later. But you have your 5%, usually maybe 4%, I believe 5% way back that you have to stay within, but there's not a practice scale. And if you're caught with a scale on your trailer or a scale on the grounds, you were, you were kicked off the, the fairgrounds. You were eliminated. So your way- we would torch you to the ground. Yes. And there, this, this was fought for many years. We have practice scales now, but do you realize when they did this- How do you do that? And, and I don't know why. I, I have no idea. I can't come How up with a How are you supposed to guess? Not but what happens is everybody's starving and dehydrating these animals because in the middle of summer, in yeah. the middle of summer, you're afraid to feed, you're afraid to water because you're going to weigh out if you give them anything. 
So it was it was a complete train wreck. Eventually, we 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 were able to get that changed, but it, it was a battle to get that done. And and I don't I don't mind if they take the actual weight or if you declare a weight. I'm I'm good either way. I'd prefer to declare a weight because you have a better idea on where the animal is on on fill and hydration and where you want to be show day. But at least have those practice scales there so you can have a, a, an idea on on what you're dealing with. Because in my mind. If we wanted to bring the animal welfare side of it into play, those animals were being starved and, and water withheld for some reason I'm unaware of. The whole weight game and the rules with the weight, whatever, like I can play any species. I can play the weight game any way you want, but you got to give me a scale. That's all I, I got to be able to have a scale. So you're you're good with a percent way back or set amount. It doesn't matter as long as the rule applies to everybody. We have literally done it every single way that you could even think about in Texas. And I can I can play anyway as long as there's a scale. And I'm gonna assume some of these were put in place again to try to make an even playing field. And I'm gonna just assume that at Illinois, the reason there wasn't a practice scale was I don't know how, but they thought maybe it would be more more fair. I I, I don't know. But I, I'm with you, Ryan. I, I do agree on that. Lay out the rules very clearly. I think it's I think it's good to give give a little room, especially if the the time that you have to declare that weight is 24 hours or more before you actually weigh back at the show. So let's let's use some common sense in there and and, and try to adjust accordingly. I mean, at Texas majors, like we have to turn in our weights as soon as like within hours of getting there, and it may be four days till you show. So again. I am good at any way you want to play the weight game as long as there is a scale. And I mean, at Texas, we don't even get to use the official scale, but they have scales out there for you. And so what we always do is if, you know, Jamie Sue wins first in her class and we pull that one out, that one goes ways on the scale back. And then you know how the difference between the official scale and what the one you're weighing on. So, I mean, we've worked it out amongst ourselves uh, pretty well on terms of being able to figure it out. But as long as there's a scale available, I'll play it any way you need, want. But gee, I, I, the, the whole nonsense of y'all not having a scale yet, that, that, that's insane. No, and I, and I don't know if there was anywhere else. I, there couldn't have been another state fair that did it like that. But we it was just a few years ago that we were able to get that change. And it it, it was... It was sad uh, prior to that. Let's let's move on to who's allowed to care for the animal, feed, water, uh, fit. Is it family only? Is it juniors only? Is it wide open to everybody? It's different everywhere we go. Okay, see, now you're going to get me really, like, th- this bothers me. And I'm going to tell you why. So I have been in this industry my entire life. No one who is a car salesman down at Buick just wakes up one day and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go sell cows now. Show cows. Everyone that is involved in this industry, that stays in this industry, they were in it as a junior. They loved it, and they wanted to make a living out of it. That's how much they loved it. And there should not be anything wrong with that. That should be rewarded instead of penalized. So this whole, oh, it's only family, it's only ag teachers, can it? No, 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 no. I believe that you are literally discriminating against some of the people that actually love this industry the most because they cared enough about it and they liked it so much they wanted to make their livelihood at it. Tell me I'm wrong. You can't. I may have hit a sensitive spot. Very. 
<laughs> and I and I have been to the Texas majors for for quite a few years now. And to my knowledge, and I hope I haven't been breaking any rules, I have assisted those exhibitors. We can't fit, we can't pull legs at, at most of them. We can't do those things, but we can handle them. We can check hydration. We can give suggestions. Where where does it stand? Actually, majors? actually, sir, no, you can't. If you read the rules, no, you can't. But they don't ever enforce it. So not even allowed to handle them or touch them. Not not. Ah, then I broke the rules. From the way the rules read, from the time that that animal is in the feeding period, which would be like validation, it's got to be a family member, a county agent, or a ag teacher. But, I mean... That's, that's, that's in terms of caring and feeding for them. Not if you show up at a family's house and want to handle the goat or lamb or whatever or check on it. That's got to be allowed. Uh... I would have to refresh my on the rule, but I'm telling you, every major show has a rule that says the only person that is supposed to be doing anything, or every Texas major show doing anything with that animal is supposed to be an immediate family member, a county agent, or a ag teacher. I promise you that, but and it's not enforced. Got it. And it's not enforced at the shows. I, I can promise no, you that. What I'm, saying. I'm saying it's not enforced at the shows, which I applaud. No, I, I wish they would get the rules up to date and, and just, just make it whatever it is. However it's being practiced, maybe we, we should adjust to that. But I appreciate that they've they've opened it up a little bit and allowed a little bit of that. If we will go back to there's only one rule, they start at noon, we don't have to worry about any of this. That would take care of it. There are county fairs, there are state fairs that say family only. There's some that Say it has to be another junior exhibitor, not just junior age, but actually exhibiting at that state fair. And I know of of exhibitors that will bring an animal that they have no intention of maybe even showing, but they enter, they bring it to the fair so they can fit other animals. They're in that high demand because of the rules that are put in place that, that you can't bring somebody outside in and maybe not even a family member. It has to be a junior member that fits. So those those juniors that have some ability, they they're in pretty high demand. Oh, absolutely they are. And that's like, it should be other juniors helping other kids. Like, that's lovely. But also, do not tell me that that guy that is a steer jockey, goat jockey, whatever you want to call him. I prefer the term broker, but he should be allowed to help any kid that he wants. Why? Why would we ever limit helping a child? Why? I think that the the pretense is that they would there most people I would could not disagree with that, but the fact that they may come in and do it all and there's no teaching going on, but every time you're doing, hopefully that junior's listening, learning, watching, all of those factors are taking place. I just I this is a very sensitive issue for me. I disagree. <laughs> like I do not understand why you would ever inhibit anyone. From helping a child. Even say the kid's not learning. You're still helping that child be more successful in the ring. If somebody that knows more than them or knows more than their family member or ag teacher or county agent is helping you prepare that animal for the ring, you are contributing to that child's success. What is wrong with that? Nothing. Not a damn thing. We do it on a, on a regular basis and travel all over the country to help some of these families and these kids, and it's genuinely appreciated, and I believe the kids learn from it. There's a lot of positive that, that comes from that, 
there's another another side of this that that maybe concerns me as much as anything. And again, when a family asks me about what should we do or shouldn't we do, I explain to them, let's let's bring the rule book out and and whatever is in the rule book, we're going to follow it exactly and and not violate that. But when you put a rule in there that only family can fit or only junior exhibitors can fit, do you know how many people it would take out there to police something like that correctly? Because you're going to have somebody that there's a a non-junior fitting over here and getting away with it. And then somewhere else, they're, they're playing by the rule. You can't enforce it. It, it. it creates a much more uneven playing field by doing so. It does not matter whether it is Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, etc. You cannot enforce those rules because it would take too much manpower. You would have to have multiple people on every aisle. And they would have to know whether that's little Johnny's dad or, you know, who. Like, you can't. It would take IDs, you know, badges, all this other stuff. It's it's not even worth it. Uh, That's why we don't enforce it. But I have never understood the concept of having rules that cannot be enforced. And every show, doesn't matter if it's a jackpot show or major show, county fair's favor, every show has rules that cannot be enforced. And I do not understand why. And I believe when they can't be enforced, you're rewarding those that are breaking the rules and pushing the limits because they know they're not going to get caught. Again, one rule. They all start at noon. Everything's fine. <laughs> Let's go. And, and maybe this isn't an issue. And, and you can explain a little bit more about how the Texas majors work and why, because that's very foreign to a lot of us that that maybe haven't been to Texas majors or, or been involved in that. But things as simple as fans or a cool mist or an evaporative cooler, where do we where do we sit on those things? Uh, well, let's see. Some shows you can have fans, but uh, like the Fort Worth show, there are no fans allowed. Zero. And the reason for that? Electricity. Okay. Just blowing circuits. Yeah. Uh, th- there are no fans. So there's a legitimate reason, at least. I mean, it's not just to be difficult. No. But, okay, but Fort Worth is also going through and updating these barns and making them all new. So when they get them all new again, they're still not going to let us have fans. So that that will be invalid then, but they're still not going to let us have fans. And I know everybody's like, oh, well, Fort Worth in February, whatever. Sometimes it is real hot at the Fort Worth Stair Show in February. I'm just letting you know. Real hot. But. And I'm assuming nothing else, no evaporative coolers, none, none of that. Yeah. You know, the last couple of years, I think you can't even do those. So now what we do, like, I'm not joking. We turn the blowers, the blow dryers on low. And so that way there is, sun, and like we tie them to the side panels. So the thing has some air blowing on it. I'm not yeah. kidding. And I, I have not noticed that there. I can assure you on the sheep, goat, and probably pig side. And I, I don't remember ever seeing a fan. You can't have fans. No. No. And, and I think part of it is just that extreme space limitation and maybe electrical outlets and a lot of different things but they they just aren't there and 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 that is the only one of the few places that i have gone to is is the texas majors where those things are not allowed now heifers not Fort Worth heifer show but uh like san antonio houston heifer show you can have one fan per forehead now they really don't enforce it i mean a lot of people have more than you know one for forehead but that is what our rule says one fan per forehead and again if it's hard to if they're not going to enforce it i have a hard time even even putting the rule out there but it it is interesting i i don't know about most state fairs or stuff like that because 
I just don't go through the barns normally because I'm normally judging, but like we can only have hanging fans from the side. We can't even have them hanging from the rear. They have to hang from the side. Can't have butt fans of any type whatsoever at all. And I, I think that's fairly common, the butt fans, at least at, at a lot of the state fairs. But hanging fans from behind seems to be. See, we can't do that. In most places. No, no, no. Not in Texas. Bad, bad, bad. Not a, and it's not hot in Texas, so it's fine. Oh, right. Of course. No, it's totally not on. <laughs> Let's move on to teeth rules. You Would you like to address that one on the cattle side? We don't have any anymore. It's gone. Gone. Completely. Kind of like your noon rule. Just there is none. I, and I bet we haven't had teeth rules in cattle. I don't think we have them in anything, to be honest. You you do not have them in sheep sheep yeah. or goats. I mean, nobody's going to tooth a pig, of course. But uh, I was like, we don't have them in sheep and goats. I'm going to say we got rid of the Mm, probably when I was showing, we got rid of the tooth rolling cattle. And you know what this supports? Them being old. And just a circus show. These are just circus animals. Again, that's what it is, Dale. I don't understand where you don't see the point. In <laughs> I think that goats should be and maybe some of the others. But I, I still like to think that cattle can relate to the real world just a little bit. But I, I have a hard time letting go of that. I can remember real this you you hate my stories, but some people like them. So uh we had a steer from Peyton Scott, and he was I mean, literally we named him Rompum. That's how crazy he was. We got him home the first day from the sale. He rears up on the top pipe and knocks out the teeth the teeth on either side that he had to have in his head at the end of the day on day one. So, like, the teeth rule, yeah, we had some. But, okay, so, like, you're going to say this and whatever. Even when we had teeth ruled and they were falling out, people were, like, putting fish hooks to get them back in, stuff like that. So, I mean, again, not enforceable. I think the teeth rules are put in so we're showing younger livestock and trying to make it a more even playing field and all those things. But what they need to realize is people are going to go to extreme measures. Some people go to extreme measures to try to get around that rule. And in, in all reality, not having the teeth rule probably makes a much more even playing field than trying to enforce one yep. because it's so difficult. And I think we're going to come back to this on so many of these these topics that we bring up on, on some of these rules and regulations. If it can't be properly enforced, you're probably giving the advantage to those that want to break the rules more so than not. I'm going to say that the more rules you make, you're going to give the advantage to the people that figure out the gray areas and know how to get around them. Now, I'm just, yeah. that's just how it is. No, that's just honest. And and I don't, I, and obviously the intent is not to do that, but that's what's happening. But that is what happens. Whether they want to admit it or not, the more rules you put in place, the advantage goes to the people who will be creative in trying to get around them. And push those limits. And, and definitely that is not what the intent is. And I don't know that I approve completely of it, but that is how it is. This is just the truth. What about locking the show barns up at night? Do we have any of the Texas shows, the ones that I've gone to at, at the majors, they're wide open? No, because we all sleep with our animals. Yeah. Because we're afraid somebody is going to do something. Like we touched on with the drug test topic stuff. We addressed this a little bit. I'm not saying that we are afraid that other livestock exhibitors are going to mess with our animals, but... Every one of those major shows has a rodeo that gets out at like 11 and drunk people walk through the barns and ride the animals or pour out a drink. And there's your sheep and goats drinking caffeine and then you're kicked out. 
the liability is endless. So that's why we all stay with our animals. No, but and I think so. The only one, and I guess that there are a couple others. Um, I know Denver in the goat bar, and I think they do it with the sheep and the pigs as well, try to lock up about 10 o'clock at night and then reopen five or six in the morning. I don't remember the exact times. Um, I like the idea because I can go back and get a good night's sleep and not worry about hopefully anything happening. The downside to it is you have a security guard there that really has no idea. And I don't know. What if something goes wrong? Yeah, and I don't know that it's truly enforced, and you're hoping that it's enforced, and it may not be as enforced to the level you would like it to be. Okay, what if something goes wrong and he doesn't know, he's the security guard, he doesn't know how to fix it, handle it, whatever, uh, what's he going to do? First thing he's going to do is call somebody who's then going to get a hold of a vet, and the vet's not going to be there. But here's the other thing. What if some nice-looking mom sweet-talks the security guard into getting in there to see her little darling's sheepy? And and I don't think there even has to be a lot of sweet talking. I think a lot of times you just walk in and act like you know what you're doing, and they probably They're aren't not going to say anything. Fake it till you make it. I know every one of those guards is is an individual, and are going to handle situations independently different. But in general, that 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 one concerns me. If it was truly locked down and nobody's coming in or out, and they had somebody there that understood livestock, could kind of keep an eye on things, I think it's great. I don't think it's realistic to happen that way. Yeah, I agree completely. And there, there are probably some other shows that are, that are similar to that, but in the, it never fails. And, and I can't explain how it happens, but there's going to be pigs or lambs or goats or whatever that get out and wander. I mean, it just happens. What if something goes wrong? It's not what if. It, something odd will happen that needs addressed every single night. No I question. I cannot tell you the number of nights I have slept in a show barn at a major show with either my animals, my siblings' animals, or animals of kids that I've helped. And I cannot tell you the number, like, it's every night something happens. And and most times, multiple things. Just like you said, a steerer heifer gets loose, or one steps, gets its head caught in the railing. I mean, we would be here till Ivanka Trump won president if I told you all the stories of the things that have gone wrong in a major show barn in Texas. And none of it was intentional it just happens things happen exactly let's uh talk about the bedding that sometimes we have restrictions uh particularly in goats and lambs and i guess in cattle as well but a lot of times we talk about uh shavings only that's it anything wrong with that i don't see anything wrong with it but i mean houston supplies all the bedding or i don't i mean i i don't know about the sheep and goat barn but in the cattle barn yeah, but in the cattle barn, a lot of times the bedding's supplied. And, and sometimes in the sheep and, and goat barn as well, they, they give you the option. You can use theirs or bring your own. I agree. I, I think shavings work out great from an animal welfare standpoint. A lot of reasons that they're good. However, those shows that, that sometimes require shavings only also will not allow you to put a muzzle on. Now, do you have a problem? This is a rule that I don't understand because all you are trying to do is Make sure that the animal doesn't eat something that it's not supposed to. But you, you know why this is because some PETA idiot p- takes a picture of it and you think they're trying to suffocate the damn sheep. No, I think it's a perception situation, and I, I hope that's what it is because I can I can accept it to a certain degree if we're trying to keep the proper perception out there. But we need to we need to, the show officials need to make sure to put some implement some common sense that. 
if we're requiring shavings and we're not allowed to put netting over it, we're not allowed to do other things, try to allow muzzles. If you're not going to allow muzzles, let them put some netting over it. Let them do something. Because again, just as Ryan stated, we're, it's not that they aren't being fed. Very few of them are going to be starved to the point where they, they truly want to eat the shavings from a nutritional benefit. It's more out of boredom. It's out of curiosity. It's several different reasons that, that they're going to do it. And it's not a positive thing by any means. In Texas, I'm not aware of anywhere where you can't muzzle, at least on the goat side. I can't think of either. But And I don't even know if it ever got enforced or was the rule, but it was because of PETA. And people took pictures and they thought that we were suffocating them and all this other stuff. And the, people are so ignorant. If they knew the amount, and like I have tried to educate people before on this, but these these liberals don't want to be educated and they just want to believe what they want to believe. And yes, the PETA people are liberals. I don't care what anybody thinks, but if they understood the amount of time, effort, energy, and money that went into these projects, they would understand we are literally doing everything in humanly possible to make that little gorgeous little animal feel as good and look as good as it can. We will kill ourselves to try to get that thing feeling and looking the best it can. That is the best example you can put out in front of. And, I, and I've tried to educate on the same and, and have had a chance. And I can remember years ago taking judging teams to the Los Angeles County Fair. And I was extremely impressed that they would actually have a veal calf stanchion set up so people could come by, look at it. There was someone there to answer questions. There was a farrowing crate set up right there in the in the cattle barn, right there in the pig barn so they could see. And it wasn't it wasn't fancy. It wasn't as clean. It was very commercial-like. And I went through and asked those that were at the, the booth, and this is in Los Angeles. So I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be terrible. Very few people that came up and actually visited with the person in charge of that little display, once they explained the situation and why it was happening, 95% of those that were asking were okay with it. So unfortunately, I'm afraid, and that, that was many years ago, where we're to the point where we don't want to ask. We want to make assumptions, and it's bad. Talking about rules and rules that can't be enforced and stuff. The fact that we would ever make rules to make PETA people happy is beyond me. But well, I think in some situations we don't have a choice. Otherwise, they're going to jeopardize our ability to have that show. So I, I have some sympathy for show officials that are trying to accommodate PETA for the simple fact that if we don't, they may bring so much attention and political pressure on it that maybe we can't have it. So I, I agree. I don't have any desire to just appease them. But if that's the only way, kind of like wearing a mask, if that's the only way we're going to stay open, I guess I'm going to put one on. We're back to the mask again. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you like the Jim Carrey the mask movie DVD <laughs> since you're all about these masks. Did like, I tell you I don't want to wear one? I, I, I want to be on record. I do not want to. Will I, if necessary, to keep the country open? Yes. Okay, we're going we're gonna to move on. And we, we, we can talk about some netting and carpet and, and those things, but it kind of falls into the shavings. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is prevent them from eating something that we don't want them to eat. And if we can use a muzzle, great. There's a lot of shows outside of the state of Texas that muzzles are not allowed. So hopefully under those circumstances, they can, they can do something to try to prevent that. Another topic that 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 is definitely different from show to show, and we can address it in the goats and lambs now, and we can hit the cattle side here in a little bit. 
What about drenching with fluids, water, electrolytes, different fluids? In the state of Texas, for the most part, and they've changed it a little bit here the last couple of years, it's allowed, but it used to be allowed in the pen, in the alleyway, in public viewing, uh, if they're walking through the barn. Some of the shows have said, okay, we have drenching areas. It's only allowed in the wash rack or only allowed in this place or that place. What are your thoughts there, Ryan? Again, it, most of it's in the wash rack, and that goes for just about all species. I think a lot of this is if we just had more common sense, and we don't, but we need to. But when you are in a stressful situation, it doesn't matter if you're a human or an animal. You're going to go off feed. You're going to get dehydrated. All these things are going to happen. And these people that are yelling and screaming and kicking that you can't stick the drench gun down the little goat's throat and all this other stuff, you know, you have no problem when you go to the hospital and they IV you with fluids. Now, do you? It's the exact same thing. No, and and you brought a very good point up that the reason we're drenching is to keep them hydrated, to keep them healthy, to to keep maximum hydration in that muscle. And obviously, that's going to make them look better and we're going to do better in the show ring. But it goes back to we're doing everything possible to make them as perfect as we can. Feel and look as good as we can. That is the goal of everybody. I mean, and again, common sense does not play into a lot in this world. But I can say that for livestock show people, too, because a lot of times you will have people that just see somebody drenching and don't know. They just go buy one and then we have an issue and something ends up dead. And again, you've got to educate yourself and all this other stuff. But and this is not going to be popular and I'm just going to say it. I have a huge problem with the fact that we can drench cattle but we cannot pump them because drenching cattle are far more dangerous than pumping them are. And it's the same exact thing. And I think it comes back to perception and maybe animal rights perception specifically, even just the drenching is not going to be perceived as, as positive. And I can assure you, and I agree 100% when we talk about steers or, or pumping steers, versus drenching steers, we're far more at risk drenching a calf to causing issues with aspiration than you're ever going to be by pumping one. Absolutely. It comes down to that perception situation that we're dealing with. And I think the show officials just don't want to answer those questions on why this is happening. I can understand that. But is it harder to answer those questions on why that's happening or one's four feet up in the air and getting drug out by a forklift? Very, very good point. Very good point. And and I had a conversation with a veterinarian at the California State Fair. They don't allow you to drench at all. You can't even, in theory, use a VitaCharge tube or anything put in their mouth that's not being consumed through the feeder. So you get in there and, and at Sacramento and, and in mid to late July, it is terribly hot. and And these poor animals are in there for some reason, the city water, you, even if you bring water from home, just the stress in general that they don't want to go to water and you're not allowed to drench them. How inhumane is that? It doesn't matter what time of the year the show is, but when you take these animals out of an environment that they are used to and put them in an environment that they have never been in before, and we all know that very few times has, or probably ever, has that animal been to the state fairgrounds or to a major show fairgrounds because they don't have a lot of jackpot shows and, you know, trial runs at those things. 
they're going to be stressed out. Things are going to happen. They're going to go off feed. They're going to go off water. But especially during the summer months, I just don't. Why would you? Why would you put in rules that are going to limit the ability to care for that animal the best? So I, I posed that question to the state veterinarian at the California State Fair in a very professional manner, and we had a hour long discussion on it. In what it comes down to, I'm sure because it's California in the super hypersensitive animal rights concerns. Liberals. Liberals, animal rights, go whatever direction you want with it. I understand that they don't want that perception, but we have to take the animal's well-being into into play. So I I presented that to the veterinarian, and it was a, a very nice lady. Her perception of it was didn't focus as much on what I thought she would on the the just perception from the animal rights side of it, but she was concerned that only a veterinarian should be allowed to drench that exhibitors or breeders or those family members are not capable of doing it correctly. Hmm. And there probably is a small percentage of the exhibitors, breeders, family members that cannot do things like that correctly. But I promise you it is a very, 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 very small percentage compared to the percentage that do know how to do it right. And I think those that maybe have a challenge with it can ask, a friend, somebody else that's done it more and has more experience. Goes back to what I was talking about just a few minutes ago on the common sense. Just because you see somebody doing something, just don't go buy something and do it yourself. Go up and ask, why are you doing this? 95% of the stock show people want to help other people learn. And if you ask questions, they will talk to you and tell you. Just, I mean, if, uh, Lord gonna get me (laughs) let's let's move on to and we're gonna have a special cattle part on it that we'll come back to as well but in the goat and lamb ring what about fitting legs what about glue no glue fake hair paint do i even have to ask where you're at ryan i i look at me do i (laughs) i mean i am a full fit kind of gal (laughs) okay i i truly think that every show that has hair should let you go all out. And I mean, we have even got to the point where they ban aerosol cans and stuff like that and some holding areas and whatever and no paint, all this stuff. Just let them go. We want the animals to look as good as they can. And you know what? The ones that can't do it properly, that are going to use fake hair and it's going to look terrible, it's not going to help them. And I tell people all the time when I'm judging shows, if you can't do it well, don't do it. But the only way that's ever going to get across is if they hear that at a show. I could not agree more with with that that statement. And I think when we're talking about building youth and getting them to, to work on things, growing that hair, learning how to fit the hair, learning how to clip, some of the things that Ryan talked about, I believe, in the last episode or a couple episodes ago, sometimes where we have those rules in place to such an extreme that some of the kids in Texas maybe are behind and maybe they're not learning some of those things. So I, I think it's all part of it. I'm very much with Ryan. I probably, I do not have a problem when they put a rule in place that says no fake hair, but unfortunately that rule may be in place and most of the time it's not enforced. But more times than not, when they glue a bunch of fake hair on, on a goat's leg and just kind of wrap it around and, and just glue it up, I personally don't like the look of it. 
if it's done extremely, extremely well, I can accept it. But in my mind, I want them to come in with as much shag and, and, and all the bells and whistles as we can, but still look semi-natural. So let's use everything we can, but do it so well that it looks like it fits. Here's my thing on fake hair, though. You have been a judge. You have seen judges. I am a judge, whatever. You're not going to use the one that's fit terrible to go to the backdrop and stand behind it. So <laughs> why does it matter? You're right. It, it probably does not matter there. And I can assure you from show to show, from state to state, these rules fluctuate huge. And there are people that can do things like that, that are talented and gifted, and it looks amazing, and you never know. And again, why not let those people have their moment? I get it. I understand it. We had a superintendent years ago at the American Royal that in the sheep and goat area, blowers were not allowed. They'd always been allowed prior to that, and all of a sudden, one year, they're not allowed. Can you even take a venture and a guess? And they are allowed now again as well. But there for one, maybe even two years, they were not. Why do you think that superintendent pulled blowers from the fitters? I don't know, because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She was annoyed by the noise. She didn't like the noise. Oh. That well. is honest to God what she said. Now, she after those two years of no blowers, she was no longer the superintendent. But I, I that that was what was asked. And and I they are noisy. I, I'm not gonna disagree with that, but we we have to implement a bit of common sense and have an understanding of what we're doing and how it's being done and all the hours that go into this. And I almost, I'm going to, I'm going to approach this from a selfish standpoint in the goat arena alone. Sometimes when they're not allowed to fit those legs and you have genetics that have an abundance of hair, you've got good families out there working that hair. We can go in and have that hair looking really, really good because it's so well-trained without a bit of adhesive or anything in there almost look fit. And it becomes almost more of an advantage than if they allowed everybody to fit. So again, that sometimes those rules are backfiring just a little bit. I, I can't stress this enough. Like the more rules you put in place, it is going to make it easier for the people that are hyper competitive to be even more successful. I'm coming to find out that the rules continue to change, or maybe we have a better understanding of them. Sometimes you can use corded clippers. Sometimes you're not allowed to use corded clippers, but you can use cordless or you can use scissors or they won't allow anything at all. Again, varies from show to show. Again, difficult to enforce unless you have a lot of people out there. So just what Ryan's talking about here, maybe in that, that area that by implementing or putting these rules in the books, you may make a more uneven playing field than what the intention is. At our major shows, we can only uh, use cordless clippers. And I mean, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But I mean, they say it's a fire hazard and electricity and all this other stuff. But we, we've adjusted. And while we're on the goat and sheep one, there's two more that I want to address here before we move on to cattle. At one point in time, and, and I cannot imagine it's still in place, but I hear about it on occasion. Bracing market goats was either not allowed at some shows by the show officials and some judges would come in and get on the microphone that they do not want these market goats braced. Blows my mind. Don't understand it. Crazy. But there's some remote places of this world that you either still have a judge come in or you still have that in the rule book at some of these county fairs. So it is, it is a little bit crazy. And the other one that, that's, that gets me a, a little bit personally because we pushed this fairly hard many, many years ago when it wasn't popular, but 
because of the nature of a goat, because of younger children, because of the intelligence of a goat and, and stubbornness at times, we started showing goats in halters. And I did it for one reason. And Ryan can, can I'm sure, understand this very, very well, because everything he talks about is, let's make that animal look the best they possibly can in the ring. Well, if we can halter break one of these goats and get them off the chain, if they're at all uncooperative and you can kind of let them throw their head up on their own and just go, that's going to look a whole lot better in the ring than a chain around their neck trying to hold that neck up and, and maybe choking out a little bit. That's not to say that an that a experienced showman with a well-broke goat can't make that goat look tremendous with a chain on the move because some of them do. But we get into some of those goats that are uncooperative or some of the younger kids that chain around their neck ends up choking those goats out, dropping down to their front knees. It's just a mess. And there's still a national show that will not allow a halter. Every other show in the country on a national level will. I've addressed this with the officials many times, and the best reason I can come up with is tradition. The very unfortunate thing is I know that going into the show, but a lot of these families just assume we've used halters at every show we've ever been to all of our life. And all of a sudden they show up at this one, they're in the holding ring ready to go in and they have a show official come through here. And here's nine-year-old Sally with a halter on her goat. That's maybe not the most cooperative goat, maybe a nervous little kid at a big show. And all of a sudden we have to take that halter off. Mom or dad runs the show supply trailer to get a chain that that goat's never had on its life. How do you think that works out for the kid or the goat? Not worth a damn. It's it's unbelievable that some of these things are still in place. I understand tradition. I like that. But if we can make a more positive experience for the kid and or a more positive experience for the goat, we need to do that. And if we want to talk about animal welfare and animal rights, dragging some of these goats around that are uncooperative with a chain around them, choking them out, that does not make good TV. Uh, have you seen, like, I'm, uh, I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound stupid, because a lot of cattle people don't venture out to the goat barn. Have you seen some of those chains? They look like bondage material. <laughs> they do look a little aggressive sometimes. And, and again, it's because some of the goats just, just aren't as, as cooperative. But we, I, I can speak from experience, most of them, and, and there's a reason. What's interesting, everybody still puts a halter on them to go to the wash rack and walk around within the barn, but we can't take that halter and go into the ring. So it, it's, it's amazing to me. Speaking of that, in goats, probably more so than sheep, but we can apply it to both to a certain degree. Animals like to herd together. They like to follow one another. They don't like to necessarily venture out of that group on their own. It's just instinctive, and especially in a goat. Unless you have one that's been to show, uh, several shows and is pretty cooperative, for that goat to go first in the ring, walk out and look as best it can, leading the way is unusual. So there's always a battle. If you're not lined up specifically, nobody wants to go first. And I get it. And I tell my kids, do not go first unless you have no other choice. And I know we, we have different reasons for what order we want to go into the ring, depending on the judge pulling in a sift or, or all kinds of different reasons that come in. But most animals follow better than they lead out on their own. Not all, but most. Do we ever experience anything like this in the cattle ring, Ryan? Oh, lots of times. Uh, just like a few years ago, it got so bad at like Houston in terms of there was one year where like it just happened that like if you were the first one in, 
it seemed like you were going to be in the top three. If, if you were the first one in to get pulled, because how the steers work at Houston is they all line up and they go across. And normally the judge pulls the ones he likes right there at first impression. And if you're the first one pulled, you were going to end up in the top three. We had fist fights over. I mean, people would, this one person went and took a dummy steer and put it in line like three hours in advance and just kept moving up, moving up. Well, when it was time for that actual class, they just went and got their real steer, took dummy steer out, put that one in there, caused a fight. But <laughs> I mean, like, so yeah, the jockeying for position is an age old tradition. And sometimes it's at the front. Sometimes it's at the end. And uh, one year when I was showing, it was Fort Worth Steer Show. And I don't know how this happens, but it, it did. Like this judge was not pulling off the walk. So if you were the last one in the ring and the first one that he handled and you got pulled, there was only like one class or two classes where that steer did not end up in the top two. So we get down to class 10 crossbreds and uh, every kid in the world that thinks they've got a shot to win the shows in it. Uh, <laughs> it got real spirited. And there's about five of us that sat there and waited, waited, waited. And the officials are like, y'all have to come on. Y'all have to come on. You're going to miss your class. And nobody would budge. I finally looked at him and said, look, I will sit here and I will miss my class before I go in before any of you people. So y'all can either get your happy asses in the ring and let me go last. So I survive because my mother is meaner than all y'all's or we can all miss the class together. Take your pick. And it probably was not that nice. <laughs> that is a little incriminating, Ryan. Uh, I'm just telling you, I was not that kind about it. Did you go in last? I did. <laughs> did you make the top end of your class? I won that class. Congratulations. I'm, an, I'm impressed. Yep. As we, we are talking about cattle, and we've already talked about the fitting and the, the pumping versus the drenching. Um, we haven't really talked about being allowed to actually, we talked about fitting in terms of clipping legs out and so forth. Is there any, there are shows that will not allow any clipping. And some people want to do more than just fitting day clipping at, at those shows. I think I'm, I'm going to gonna reach out most of that in the at the majors. Are you just fitting in the stalls, Ryan? You're not allowed to bring a shoot for the market steers? No, there are no shoots allowed. And there's no fitting allowed? At the slick shirt shows, there are no shoots allowed because there's no clipping and fitting to be done. Fort Worth, I take that back. I think that they still let you bring a trim shoot because they still want to make the money off buying the trim shoot pass. But nope, there's no room to set them up anywhere. And you can't have them in the aisles and you can't. And stalling's crazy as it is. And so uh, we've all just... Uh, the days of having a trim shoot at a Texas show are over. You can have them at Fort Worth, and I think it is truly only because they want to make the look $25, $30 what it is for you to buy a trim shoot pass. And on, on the sheep and goat side, guys, you don't not only do you not have a tack pin, but you you got to have everything, your feed, everything goes above the pin, in the pin you're assigned. You may have another person's animals in the pin with you. I mean, there are just so many space limitations. Taking a trimming stand to a, a lamb or a goat show at a Texas major, not happening. There just there physically is not enough room. And that's great. That means participation is through the roof good. Until you've experienced a Texas major, you do not realize 
this the the problem of space. Like you just can't even fathom it. I don't think. We haven't talked about hogs yet, but we can venture into that a little bit. At some shows, you're allowed to come in however you come in, whether you decide to clip that pig at home or not clip the pig or whatever you decide, and you're perfectly fine. But a lot of them do not want you clipping at the show itself. Again, if they're out there at 2 in the morning clipping that pig, there's probably not a lot of enforcement going on on that. There's not a whole lot of anything going on in terms of enforcement after midnight in a in a barn. <laughs> and we did we do have this 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 we talked about it on the hair or no hair episode, a little more shag on the pigs, a little longer hair just to qualify and I think we we hit on it briefly in that episode, but when we were taking these pigs really short, those packers could not scald them. They had to remove the skin on all of those. And that that was a problem. Um we also talk a little bit now that some of these hogs are coming through with what we call fake feet, Ryan. You familiar with fake feet? Oh, very. <laughs> what do you think? Allowed? Not allowed? We had a real big problem in Texas several years ago with the fake feet and the epoxy and all this other stuff. And again, I think that that is one of those things that, like I've said before in this episode, the more rules you make, the easier you're making it for people that can do it. I do see a big problem in hogs blowing out pads at major shows it's very easy to do it is not that easy in the other species to do that with everything there is reasons to not allow it and reasons to allow it so i think it's a real controversial topic i do joke when i say there should only be one rule and they should all start at noon but i think that as long as it is not hurting that animal and it is trying to help them be the best they can be. If you if your hog blows out a pad at a major show, that animal is in pain. Am I right, Dale? You are correct. Then I see no problem in trying to make the animals feel better, I guess is the best way I can understand it. And I know that's not going to be popular, but that's just kind of how I feel on that issue. And I, and I do think it's difficult to enforce without physically going down, lifting every foot up and inspect just it's not very practical. On on the other side of it, the packers are obviously it's it's an issue when those hogs go to market, and very few packers will even buy show hogs anymore. And if they buy them, they give you a fraction of the price for all the things we're talking about. They're maybe clipped too tight, maybe fake feet. And and when we we stop and think about that, those involved in the show pig industry, especially the younger kids, they don't even know there's another world to it. And we talked about this in one of the other episodes about bringing it back to to reality a little bit and if we disconnect completely from reality and we do all of the things that we are doing that is kind of taking it away from the true production side we can't be shocked or amazed or surprised when the packing plants don't want to buy them and i see that and i understand that but when you have rules that you can't enforce it just bugs me what about paling where are you at on paling should we allow it in show pigs not again screw china (laughs) <laughs> you know where I stand on China. So I, I am not. Screw even that. China. They buy all the, the cattle and pig and all the parts that we don't want. They purchase. And I, I, I like sending that to them. I like it supporting the price. I am with you. I do not want to do anything to appease China. But we also have the European Union that will not accept paling. So we, we're in a situation that if the show pig world doesn't conform, in my opinion, the commercial producers have a lot more political clout. 
if these show pigs are getting into the food chain or getting into our export and they're coming back testing positive for paling and jeopardizing that export market, guess what's going to happen from a political standpoint and the pressure that's going to be applied from the mega farms here in the United States towards hog shows. But we're not going to have any shows anyway in the present moment. So what? what, what, what the <laughs> okay. I'm trying to make a point that maybe, just maybe, we should concede and say, okay, we're not going to use paling because if we do, we might be cutting our own throat long term because if a lot of pressure is put on from commercial producers that they're getting flagged for paling and we're losing export market, they're going to point fingers at the show ring. They're going to try to stop these shows, and we don't need that. So I'm looking at it as I, I think paling's a great management tool. I understand if I'm if I own a mega commercial hog operation, I'm going to come out and tell you guys we we can't be using that. We can't jeopardize our export market. I can see both sides of it. Maybe that's a compromise that the show world can offer to say, okay, let's let's keep having shows. Let's keep going strong for these kids. We'll just eliminate this one portion of it. Fine. I still <laughs> China. I'm with you on that. I've enjoyed this episode and I hope that we've been able to bring to light that there's just a lot of different rules and regulations out there across shows, across species. And I hope that they're all put in for good intentions or with a good purpose, but we really, really need to think deep about it. When we put a rule in place, it needs to be enforceable. We need to make sure it's logical and not just because. If y'all would just go to my theory that there is only one rule in livestock shows and they all start at noon, none of this would be necessary whatsoever at all. That is an accurate statement. Ryan, I've enjoyed the discussion. I look forward to another one next week. Until then, be safe. Y'all come back now, you hear? 